there's room. See there, that's pretty good. That's okay, fun. Okay, I'll just sit with my face in this thing. It's like eating pussy. Well, you right can <laughs> just get right up it's in there. It's just right up in there. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> I guess we should have done like a little like bio first so that I could introduce you proper. Yeah. Do you but want me to write you a bio? Sometimes, yeah. Like I was thinking about it the other day, like when I talked to James, um, one of the critiques I got from one of our, our uh, mutual friends was there were no bullet points ahead of his introduction that kind of gave his credentials because he's been working with film um, like festivals and, and things around the country for quite some time. He's uh, interned for Conan and all these people. And then it's like kind of sets the stage and gives him like the listener a little bit of an idea of like, okay, this is why I'm listening to this guy. This is why you care about what he's got to say. Well, can't that just be in your notes when you put it up on like iTunes and stuff? So you really like give the backstory right there so you don't have to introduce someone. That requires someone to read though, right? Like who, who does that anymore? Me. I mean, we do. We read. <laughs> All the time. And you know what's fun too is, is taking some of these little beginning bits mm -hmm. and then putting them at the end. Like we were talking about doing like uh, basically outtakes. Since oh. I do the edits. Outtakes for days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Outtakes oh, for days. God. All right. Um, welcome to From the Red Room. Tonight, we are talking with my longtime friend, uh, Laura, who is uh, a renaissance woman of many talents and skills. She is, she is exemplary of the art life. So, and now she's making faces at me. But <laughs> it's so formal and also you're like the renaissance woman who does lots of things yes that's kind of what that means yeah well <laughs> so now right. we're gonna and she also <laughs> nitpicks my language constantly i generally don't hi laura welcome hi mitch we're glad you're here we yeah the royal we the royal we the red the room we is of glad the red room. yes the we of the red room i'm excited to be here after hearing it described and then coming in, I was like, no, this is this is pretty much what I pictured, and I love it. I mean, we still got some work to do, like, if we really wanted to deck it out, but yeah. I, I need new lighting. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I, was, I was hearing about the dimmer switch idea, and I really like that. Yeah, we got to Because you can't really have, like, fire in here. That'd be a <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> what we really want to do is replicate, some. sometimes we want those conversations to be those kind of meandering but meaningful conversations you have in the dark Just and so we need like some dimmer pretty lights much all the conversations we have right? <laughs> in a dimly lit bar True. or a dimly lit coffee shop yes that is pretty much yeah, our go-to yeah well you know i'm a fan of not light <laughs> thus the pasty white skin i have well way to go yeah thanks uh so um we've known each other since when 2001. Oh, look at that. She even has like a number. Oh, well, I was thinking about that. Okay. I was trying to remember and I was like, oh no, that was like 2001. It does. Elcon Mall. Yeah, it does go back a little ways. Elcon Mall in Tucson, I think is where we were first introduced. Yes. Or like you first came into the shop. And, I did. And from there, um, why don't we have a little backstory? Like tell us where where you went, where. Oh, God. Went, yeah. Let's see. That was my right after my freshman year of college the first time. Um, and after that, I got my, I started my degree in theater for stage management, and then I quit that because I was tired of the in-house politics. 
and I went into the photo room and the printmaking studio, and I did printmaking and photography and sculpture because I was bored <laughs> and I needed something to do. And I love doing photo, but I like mixed media, and I still do that. I graduated in 2005 from the OVA, and then I worked in a flower shop. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, well, while I was going to school, I worked as a stripper. And then I quit that. And then I worked in a flower shop for like two years, two and a half years. And that's like, like that. really working in a flower shop, not code for a killer for the government, right? Because isn't that one of the questions they ask you? Like if you want to work in a flower shop, you want to be a sniper? Oh, you can't say. I can't answer that question. Okay. Sorry. 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 Okay. Go on. Uh I worked in a flower shop uh, designing and running their entire social media network and redesigning their website, and I taught myself basic code. Cause well, I think that's probably, like, predates social media as a no. as terminology, doesn't it? No. Really? It was already kind of floating around? Mm -hmm. So you've always been much more cyberly inclined than I. Uh, not... I, I get dragged into it by association. I have a lot of friends. Um, while I was in school... One of my friends was one of the heads of Theta Tau at the U of A, the engineering uh, fraternity. And so I hung out with all the people who taught code and who learned code. And I was their mascot for a year. And <laughs> I made cookies and went to all the parties. Oh, my gosh. I just have to, like, just interject there. Speaking of the making cookies and things, <laughs> when we used to have, like, these late night launches and, like, the, the cakes that you used to bring, oh, like yeah, the Bioshock cake, the Bioshock cake, the zombie <gasps> brain cake. Oh my gosh, they I, were fantastic. Those were so much fun. Like the Bioshock cake really gave me a weird way to work with fondant and mm -hmm. wire. And that was interesting. And then the zombie brains cake was just fun because I could make it bleed when you cut uh. into it. And it had like the strawberry chunky filling. So when you cut into it, it just like slurped down onto the tray. So it was, was great. all the, the all the cooking and baking, was that just a, a, an extension of the, the art drive that you already had? And that's why you went with Partially, and I, I, so I love cooking and I love baking. Um, I like being in the kitchen. That's my favorite room in the house is the kitchen. So that's my territory, and I am. I understand that very territorial <laughs> of that place. But I, I love making things, and then just being able to learn how to decorate was something I was just interested in. So I decided to try it out and see what I could do. It turned out right. Oh, the portal cake. There was that portal cake, oh too. Oh, my gosh. Where it was, like, right. part of the cake was falling into the other yes. cake. Yes. Yes. I forgot Always about Always very that. creative. Let me fix <laughs> something here. Just keep you talking. adjust me. Let me fix that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I can okay. hear it, too. That's pretty bad for What's me. That? Oh, really? Like what? What's not working for you? Oh, oh I'm just hitting things because I'm oh. clumsy and out of place. <laughs> I am naturally clumsy. It's pretty awesome. This is going to work out a little better. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Right. It's much better. Look at that. Oh, look at that. I oh. sound better. I am going to actually learn how to do this eventually. Uh, that's I'm what this is. It's a it. process. Yeah, it is. It is an artistic endeavor. Just even visually, you can see. like. Oh, if I turn that way, then my head's away from the mic and I can't talk. So Okay. Well, I you am... can always just look and glance. Look over. I'd encourage you. Ooh. Fancy. <laughs> Cool. All right. So back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduate and you're uh, pursuing stuff. Art. Art. <laughs> Again, like as and you I'm, can see, there's like a thematic here to well, the people that I love to surround myself with. 
and you have amazing friends. I'm I want to meet all of them because somehow I've been like separated from most of the people you know most of the time. Isn't that weird? We were talking about that with Charlie and Mike, like how sometimes you have these people who in your life who mm-hmm. you would get along, but somehow there's like these just everything segmented. These walls segmented in weird ways. We used to call it DC and Marvel crowd, like back when in like uh, the early 2000s and we used to have parties and things I had like <laughs> I, and it had nothing to do with actual favoritism with of Marvel or DC but like I had Marvel and I had DC and it was very rare that they, they came don't into touch. contact yeah they just didn't they, they didn't ever t- come to the same they parties they don't touch on the shelf they don't touch in people are you are you DC or are you Marvel I have no bias oh really yeah that's rare yeah, I, I like comics I like <laughs> comic book characters i like everything i like all the things all the things all the things all the time <laughs> so when then did you did you always did you always paint did you always sculpt after that did you, you um know? so i combine them mostly mm-hmm. uh i end up doing paintings because my teacher told me i couldn't paint and it's it's true i am a terrible painter at least with anything realistic so i'm like oh abstract I will, I will survive through abstract <laughs> painting because that is something you can't tell me I'm bad at. I'm, I'm like, it's, it's open for interpretation. The work that I've seen is, is awesome. It's very Aww, impressive stuff. Thanks. Have you done like um, shows and things like that? My last show was in 2009, 2010. It was when the kids were really little, but I... I haven't had time (laughs) since then to put enough together because that was one crazy summer where I was like oh I'm gonna have a show and so the people who actually owned a coffee shop in the same complex that the flower shop I was in was and so I was there all the time and I was like I want to do a show and they're like okay well go ahead and like let's see your portfolio and we'll see if you can do a show so I show them my portfolio, and they're like, oh, yeah, you should totally do a show. Like, you can do it in August. I was like, oh, that's in two months. I don't have nearly enough work to cover this entire thing by myself. So I literally would go to work for eight hours, and I'd go home, and I'd play with the kids because they were, like, little littles. And then I would um, paint and sculpt and photograph things for days. And I was like, okay, I have to come up with 30 images or 30 paintings. I was going to ask you how many pieces you need to do a, a full scale. Um, yeah. It depends on the size of the yeah. space, but that one needed at least 30 decent sized pieces. Mm-hmm. So I literally did 30 or 40 pieces just for that gallery, and it was chaos. Like I had to borrow space at my mom's to shove things because I didn't have enough room. I had no studio, so I was painting outside on my porch in the summer, and it was d- disastrous. <laughs> It was just like sweating and painting, and it's raining, and I'm like, oh. well, that's the nature of art, right? That's the what suffering. It is the suffering for the <laughs> art. I mean, it's not necessary, but did the kids ever help? By the way, the oh, kids. God, no. Tell us what the kids. Oh, they don't help. No, they don't they're, help. They're children. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They help now, <laughs> but they're like nine now. Twins. Yes. Yeah. Twin girls. They are ridiculous, adorable, and ridiculous. Yeah. They get mad at me. They're like, Mom, you never wanted us. And I'm like, I did not expect you. That is true. <laughs> but I've got you, and I like you now. Because <laughs> I'm honest. It's, yeah, honesty in parenting? It's easier. And yeah. then they don't 
deal with bullshit. Yeah. And maybe they won't have to go through all the therapy I've gone through. <laughs> we were just talking about honesty, for example, in, in my upbringing, for example, never was not told that I was adopted. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people like, but I, it, at that point it would probably would have been difficult since my brothers and sisters were all very light skinned, as was my mother. So uh, I, I kind of stood out. My brother is darker than you uh-huh. with blackish brown hair and brown eyes and he's very tall. Okay, so then you never really so know. So you never know. <laughs> ever. Oh, no. Just like his kids are pale, like blonde, like blondish red hair, blue eyes, both of them. And my kids are dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes. So it looks like we swapped kids. <laughs> so uh, the the art thing has taken you in lots of different directions because you also had appreciation for it, like with the costumes and all those kinds of things. Did you, while when you were dancing, did mm-hmm. you make any of your own stuff then? No, because I am, so here's a secret. I'm terrible at sewing things with stretchy material. With stretchy material? Yeah. I understand that's hard to work with. Right, and you need a serger, and I didn't have one, and I was like, I, I don't have time. But I have had things custom made for me. Okay. So, like, I had swing dresses custom made for me just for stripping because I wanted to dance to swing music more. And... No one else is doing it. So I was like, all right, fine, whatever. So I do swing moves on stage. Really? Like with the pole work. I used to tour a little bit between here and Albuquerque and Phoenix um, because the owners owned clubs in all the three cities. And so I would do pole trick competitions. Oh, wow. Now, when you say tour, so how did that how did that work? How does that uh, set up? T- like, do you get bills and do you get like, oh, you tell them you want to travel and you go travel. Okay. And then they're like, oh, all the way from Tucson, Arizona. You're oh. like, I'm fancy tonight. Yay. <laughs> well, that is fancy. That's yeah. A, yeah. And then that's... everyone gets really upset that you're there and taking money from Oh, them. I see. Oh, of course. <laughs> you just don't talk to people. Hmm. Yeah, there's probably... Qu- it is It is quite the industry. Quite the industry. So you're saying there could be a whole other podcast of just dishing on the industry. I could tell you about the day that someone threw quarters at strippers as tips. <sighs> and That's I just threw my shoe me. with their head. Yeah, good job. Yeah. Right on. Although the person came off the stage crying. They're like, they threw quarters at me. I was like, okay, this is fine. We can deal with this. So I told the bouncers to go stand behind their table. And sure enough, they started throwing quarters. And I took off my shoe and threw it at their head. And then they got pissed off and they got escorted out. Not See you guys later. Bye. I was a terrible stripper. Uh, because I was... <laughs> You've got attitude, fiery. I don't deal with shit. Why should you? Because you're getting paid to. Okay, really? Is that is that really the the feel? Getting paid to deal with shit? Sometimes, I guess so, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got really lucky, and I had some really good customers who would pay me to talk with them, and we talk about history and art and politics and chemistry and biology and any other science. Yeah. You had me on everything except chemistry. Like, um, oh, no. well, <laughs> it like it was a blast. So I had like really great customers who come in from a town. They like be like, well, how much can I get your time for like an hour where you don't have to worry about like going on stage and like talking to other people? And I was like, okay, well, like three hundred dollars for an hour, like that's about what I would make. So they'd pay me three hundred bucks and I'd hang out and talk because a lot of people are just lonely. How I mean, do you do you feel like you honed your conversational skills? Like in, a, in a situation like that because it seems like up from my perspective like you would have 
it would be an, a hard place to have a conversation, whether that, regardless of its topic. So, no. like, you and I have always been able to just speak pretty freely and, and, yeah. and go on and on. So, have you always been such a good conversationalist? Oh, God, no. Um, so, I, and I don't even think I am now. Uh, <laughs> so, growing up, I didn't talk to people. I didn't like talking to people. I was too shy to be around people. So, I spent all the way up through high school most, like, even being in theater in high school, I would spend most of my time off to the side, not really talking to people. Like, I didn't feel comfortable. I was happier watching people and learning how people behaved rather than actually interacting with them. Sure. Because <laughs> I get very nervous and I get very shy. And it really took being a stripper <laughs> to get me more out of my shell, more comfortable with people, just because I was forcing myself to do it. So paying for college really forces <laughs> you to expand your horizons. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, having known you, it just always is such a surprise when you say that, when you talk about how, like, you were shy. I'm like, but, but you never struck me as that. Even even when we first met, you always had, like, a, a, a core strength. I guess strength doesn't necessarily contradict shy, though, right? So, it does not. No, it does not. No. So <laughs> I don't I don't know. No, it's, it's. It's been a weird journey. <laughs> that's that's probably the best way to say it. It's been a weird journey, and I've had to do the whole fake it till you make it thing, but as an outgoing person, I've had to fake being outgoing until I could do it enough. Was there a point where you didn't feel like you were faking it till you make it anymore? I mean, do you still have no, those I still moments? Have that. Yeah. yeah. It, I don't think that really goes away. I mean, you get more comfortable with it, and it happens less often. But you just have instances where you're like, oh, oh, no. I'm talking to people, or if it's, like, people I don't know, I'm like, how do I approach this? I don't know. And then you start panicking, and you're like, maybe I should just not do this. And then how do you get over that? Like, you, I, again, you're, you're, mocking, <laughs> you're mocking my estimation of the Renaissance woman because I, am, I said, you do so much. And you're like, oh, that's kind of inherent in the term, but... You do so much. I do. Like I don't know how you so fit it all in. I, I imagine you probably have. I don't have, know how I do everything. You have either. what 30, 40 hours in a given day, where the rest of us have to deal with twenty four hours in a given day. I um, don't know how you do it. It's magic. Okay. Well, I you mean, were disrupting the you know the electronics earlier tonight. I'm telling you, it is magic. I mean, right now I'm only working full time, going to school full time, raising two kids, doing this. I'm at a pharmacy convention this weekend. And then training for races, you know, the usual. Oh, that's right. See, we have races to talk about. <laughs> we have the pharmacy thing to talk about. And there's there's still so much to talk about with like with your art and yeah, like the inspiration like for your art. Like sewing things to hand canvases. Hand sewing. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, you know, I <laughs> with all those we just talked about, where do you want? No, where do you want to start? You just came back for a convention. Come Came back from a convention. We could talk about that. <sighs> you could blow it out. Like, I understand there was an incident at the Phoenix Comic-Con. There was. Um, there was the Green uh, Ranger. Uh, okay, so. I was a little disappointed that you didn't contact me, and, and, you know, like, I had to read that in the news. Um, To be fair, I was having to deal with the fact that the wait line to get into Comic-Con was, like, two hours long at some point. Holy crap. So what happened on that first day was when we, in case anyone didn't know, there was a attempted shooting at Phoenix Comic-Con this year where a guy came in and... I don't know if he was inside the con or just around the con, but he was taking photographs of the police that were at the con. 
Um, and not just the security that the convention provides, but the actual, like, Phoenix Police Department that was there. And uploading them to Twitter, telling everyone how he was going to shoot all of them. And then, I guess, also targeting uh, one of the special guests that was there, and I'm, I'm not sure who. I don't know if they released it or not. And someone on his Twitter feed happened to see it, and they contacted the police. So they very quickly arrested him and got him out, and I guess he had a shotgun three handguns and some knives and enough ammo to take out a ton of people so well bravo to to them for taking care of that and it was so smooth that nobody at the convention knew what happened we read about it in the news and so you guys were just as unaware until you saw it you're like your newsfeed comes through what right and so like everyone's like oh is everyone okay we're like what are you talking about like we had no idea oh my god nobody knew it was really really well handled like bravo to the Phoenix Police Department because they handled it perfectly. Um, One of the things that was interesting is that security for Phoenix Comic Con this year on that first day on Thursday was minimal at best because last year they had two-thirds more security staff than they did this year. And I know there was a big hullabaloo earlier in the year about volunteers versus not volunteers and how much security they were going to have and they were trying to work everything out because there was a a shift in how they wanted to run the program. But whenever we had gone in on Thursday, no one checked our badges, no one checked our purses, no one checked anything. This was with two-thirds more security and... Two-thirds less Oh, two-thirds less. Oh. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I walked in and went into the dealer's hall and, like, no one looked at my badge, no one looked at my bag, nothing. My friend brought her purse in. Like, there was no purse check at the door, no nothing. So security was incredibly lax on Thursday. So So flasks aplenty. Oh yeah. <laughs> but then it led into a very dry con because after that event starting or after the incident uh-huh. starting on Friday, there was only three entrances allowed. So they cut off everything else. Mm-hmm. And you had to go through security, which was bag checks and metal detectors. So they wanted yeah. you down, looked through everything, and then you had to go in. So there went all of five of my flasks <laughs> that I brought. And because unfortunately I had packed all metal flasks <laughs> instead of plastic ones. Well prepared though. I that respect was, that. Yeah, my bar at the hotel room looked great. <laughs> but it was very sober. And that was less fun. But the biggest problem was on that Friday, there were some really great speakers. Like Jim Butcher was there, and I was so excited because my folly costume was on point <laughs> and I got into the security line at like 9 o'clock in the morning 9, 9.30ish and I only had to wait for half an hour 40 minutes after that the line was around the corner people were waiting for 2 hours 2-3 hours just to get in but the line was so slow to get into security because they didn't at that point have a separate if you have a bag or don't have a bag you get into separate lines it was just one line okay really bad and so for the first panel of the day which Jim Butcher happened to have a first panel of that day when I got in there there was five rows of people five rows at 1030 and by the end of it at 1130 the whole room is full sure but everyone had missed the entire first panel because they were stuck in security yeah so it made the inside lines non-existent Good for you for getting there early. Right, but people couldn't get into the con. And then once you got in, no one wanted to leave. 
so the only people who were really making money were the food trucks that had been allocated like, for the inside of the parameter. Mm-hmm. And if you went across the street to the um, to the Hyatt restaurant um, on the ground floor, they always opened like this outside eatery so that you could get like super cheap like hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff. And there was no one there. But no one wanted to leave. So when you did leave to go put stuff down, you didn't want to go back. So vendors lost money. They were the... And this was all due to this incident mm-hmm. with the guy. And then because of that, anyone who sold prop weapons... Oh, yeah. So anyone who sold prop weapons, they had to leave them boxed up and you couldn't open them at the con. Like you had to wait until you got back to the hotel or just leave them in a box. And so I know they had a huge, huge issue with one of the vendors um, that do custom lightsabers. And they were, there was a huge hullabaloo between the two of them. And they ended up leaving. And there was a big fight between them. But there's a whole lot of confusion as to, like, he said, she said between that. So that was the thing. But anyone who had, at first it was all props were banned on Friday. And then it was just weapons, props, and they gave you a distinct list by like 11 o'clock that morning they had a list of what was allowed and what was not allowed for props so it was really rough on people because people spent like thousands of dollars putting together custom made props for pieces and they couldn't bring them or the people who like traveled from out of town who brought stuff and had to leave them in their hotel room like some people I felt really bad because their costumes depended for some of them on their props like some of it it's the piece that really sells right. it. It's the rug that brings the room together. Exactly. And they couldn't have it. And it really disappointed a lot of people. And I know there's been talk at other cons as to whether they're going to allow prop weapons like in the next year or so. But well, we've got Tucson Con coming up this fall. Have you talked to anyone from that? And I haven't. Seeing what we're going to have. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a bit disappointing for those of us who like to make things. Because it's one less thing that we can put together. I mean, it saves me money, but <laughs> I, I'd rather have my prop because then people who do photo shoots for their costumes yeah. or professional cosplayers, like people who had booths couldn't bring their props for their booth people. At what point does one become a professional cosplayer? Because I've seen your work. At the point you get paid for it? Uh, yes, but like how do you get paid for that? Like if you're being paid to be like, for example, like... Um, Sorry, term- terminology like I don't know, like booth babes, yeah. Nintendo, like that's a professional cosplayer. Yeah. Or like, um, so there's two different ways. Some people do do booth babes, and some people are just professional cosplayers. They do like incredible photo shoots. Like, I mean, there's people who sell now, like uh, Yaya Han sells patterns to Simplicity for her cosplay. Oh, okay, I okay, that so makes there's, sense. There's a lot of different ways it can go about, but um, I don't know the particulars because I've never been. I'm not good enough to do that. I have people who are good enough to do it. Like, the person who makes my wigs, uh, Ember Brennan Sparks, mm-hmm. she... Is she here in Tucson? She's in Phoenix. She's in Phoenix? She is. But she does all of my wigs, and she's a hairdresser. Um, does she have a website or a salon? Give a shout-out. She out. does. Uh, over, she's at the... At the... Well, we'll forgive her for not being Tucson local <laughs> since this is kind of like Tucson-centric um, right here. I have here. traveled to get my hair cut by her. She is that good. I, I believe yeah. it. Hair she's always over at, um, She's over at Chandler Fashion Square Mall. Okay. Or at Ch- Chandler Fashion Mall. Yeah. Cool. So, lots of bad news from the con. What was the highlight? 
Jim Butcher. Jim Butcher. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did you ask him, hey, man, where's the new book? Um, there was a huge where's, where's the discussion Dresden? about that. So right now he's getting his house rebuilt. That's not an excuse. Uh, he has nowhere to work. That's not an excuse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just very selfish and know, very like impatient. But, um, so his new book is coming out whenever he finishes it. Of course. Fair enough. Which will be when his house is done. Go artists. Um, right now he's, I guess, living at his fiance's house. And he's like, I am not comfortable kicking people out of a room. Because it's not my house to sure. kick people out. What's so, it, he, so during his um, his panel, mm-hmm. um, did he talk about his writing process? You say he's not comfortable kicking people out of a room, so he, did, like he, he needs his like, home. Yeah, he has to write in a room where he can be alone and not have distractions, which is legit. That's how I do my homework. I uh-huh. just headphones and nobody else around. Um, and if people are around, I just ignore them, which I've gotten very good at doing. Um, but he has to have like quiet space no one around and then he I asked particularly like what when he has so many projects to do like he's been doing how does he prioritize how things get done and he said right now he's doing the Dresden one next because fans need it and <laughs> well, that's being, very kind of him and they're being very demanding about it and so sorry his, Jim and so are his publishers so oh, okay. <laughs> so he's doing that next and then he has um, some short stories he's working on He's working on a couple books with his sister where they're going to do two different points of view. Uh, and it's Molly at boarding school, uh-huh. like the magically inclined boarding school, but it's her and Mouse. What? Yes. And so uh, his sister is going to take one role and he's going to take the other role. So one will have Molly's point of view and one will have Mouse's point of view. And they'll be released co- like. I believe so. Oh my but yeah, gosh, that's so it's going to be idea. like a small, like, kind of like a small one off series. So it'll be two separate volumes or like... It, I don't know if it's going to be two separate volumes or two just kind of a divided book. Hmm. But I'm really excited for that. That is really cool. So um, he's doing that. And then the piece that he wants to work on is his next Cinder Spires, which is my favorite. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just folly. That's all there is to it. I'm the quirky etherealist <laughs> <laughs> who... Uh, who is crazy but can do awesome shit. I haven't even like delved into that yet. You You're recommending it, I guess. Have to. Okay. There's only one book out right now. Oh so well it's I can I can tackle that. That's through. fair. Okay. But it's it's amazing and it's his new passion project. And by new I mean that first book has been out for like two or three years. Okay. Well what is it again? Uh Cinder Spires. Okay. We'll so the first one is called The Aeronauts Windless. I have a real problem. Um, I have a weakness, a fault in my uh, consuming of work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just get very tunnel vision and I don't expand out. Like I should have looked at, I should have found that. Like I, I'm sorry that I didn't. I so, haven't found all of his short stories. So he was talking about some of the short stories. I'm like, I have no idea what this is and now I have to read it. I got to go find it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I love Con because Con ends up being like, Hey, here's the thing that you didn't know about, and you totally need to know about it. And you just you're like, ah, yes, please, more, more of the things. So Butcher's the highlight of the con. For me. What? <laughs> and the burlesque show. God love that burlesque show. What is the burlesque show? I mean, so, I know what a burlesque show is, but so there's it is the... it is the nerdlesque show. It's the <laughs> annual, it's the annual nerdy burlesque show. 
and it's um and it's sponsored by the, the convention the convention throws okay. it it's okay. in the main ballroom every year uh actually i think they've been in the main ballroom for two years now um they had a smaller room before but they had to do two shows because it kept selling out so they finally just threw them in the big ballroom gave them bars and everything but it's an amazing show it's three hours of burlesque and wow. the best three hours of burlesque with some amazing MCs. I have friends who perform in it because they are in Phoenix. But they we had Tucson performers go up. Um, now in Tucson is is uh, Black Cherry like uh, is it is it based out of Tucson? Black Cherry is Tucson, um, and also um, I'm trying to remember. There's the Fox Den too that's here, and I'm trying to remember the name of their troupe. They are amazing. And some of these folks went up to Phoenix, yes. and they okay. So we had Phoenix folks. They had people from New Orleans. They had people from Vegas. They had people from California. So Phoenix is really becoming a, a much bigger con, like as years go by. It's it's getting a little huge. bit more of a draw. It's huge. I mean, I think there was last year there was over a hundred thousand people. No. Yeah, and I think this year was like a hundred twenty something or more. I mean, not to compare because obviously, you know, if I have to choose, I choose Tucson over Phoenix. But if I have to choose, then I'm going to say loyal to Arizona and say Phoenix. But what's like, what does San Diego do? I don't you know? want to know. Too you many wanna... to make it comfortable. Yeah. From, from what I've heard and from the people that I know who have gone, a lot of the best stuff now is happening outside of the convention hall because it's so crowded. And this is the reason I, I don't want to go is because it's so crowded and there's so many people that you spend all your time in lines. And I, I'm done with that. I'm I did that years that. ago. Yeah, I don't I don't need to spend my time in lines. I just want to go to the things I want to go to and then enjoy myself. Yeah. And so it's like I want to be able to have that freedom to move around and see the things I want to see. So Do you ever feel resentful of the popularity and the increasingly mass consumption, mass like uh, media attention that our hobbies have gotten over the years? I mean, no. it's no not at all. You're just happy for the success of it? You're happy that yeah. the uh, meek have inherited the earth? Well, I'm just happy that because more people are interested, regardless of how they knew, how new they are or whatever, I don't, I don't care. But because more people are outwardly interested, we get more of it. I, and so I agree. Everyone wins. I'm so happy to hear that. Yay. <laughs> right? There's more to love. Yeah. Right? Uh, you can't... I mean, you can go wrong with more things if they're shittily done, but... I just like the fact that more people are able to work on them and that because it's been so popular, it's getting more funding. Because of the financial success, because mm -hmm. there is this... Um, because there is a desire for it, uh -huh. they're willing to finance it more. And so you get... People can be a little more risky. Get better quality most of the time. There is that balance, <laughs> isn't there? Like if you flood the market, you might end up with subpar... I think it depends on who does it still. I really do. It... It artist needs, to artist. Right. Artist to artist needs to be a, a labor of love still. Mm -hmm. like you can tell when people don't care about the material, but that's true of any art form ever. You can tell when a musician stops caring about the music. You can tell when an artist stops caring about what they create. Like It, it doesn't matter. All this talk, <laughs> and I haven't been to Tucson Con. And, um, I've been once. Have you? Like back when it was young. And when Mike first got it started, and it was first kind of like blown up, and um, I actually want to invite Sarah down here to talk and promote it. Not that this is necessarily the format that she wants to use to promote it at all, but hey, maybe someone will hear it. It's like any any word is good word, right? If we can get it out a little bit more, like it's right. Well, 
you know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying that we have like a ton of people listening, but I think it'd be interesting to talk to her about the 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 logistics of putting together a con. You know, they have to deal with that. That's crazy. The the only part I was shaking my head at, which works really well in a podcast, is the (laughs) fact that any press is good press is not necessarily accurate. Okay, fair, fair, true enough. I would give them good press, though. Well, yeah, because this place <laughs> is amazing. So I can't wait to go because James Abar is going to be there. And I think you know that I love The Crow. Everyone who knows me knows I love The Crow. I don't know it's what you're talking about. <laughs> As so I look I'm at The Crow <laughs> posters on the wall. Is there? I think there's one. <laughs> there's just one. Yeah, for now. Well, that's not counting the ones that are rolled up above your head back there, the ones that I have um, in the, the movie. You're talking the ones to the that person I don't have who goes to Comic-Con first. every year and gets enough pictures that I can't put them on my walls because I have no space. Really? What do we, why do we do that? Because like, I've got love, tons of Because we love things and we love to support artists. You want to support the art, and right? And I want all the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, did you have any, uh, like, crazy last-minute stories to add to the con? Because I do have another place to take it because I want to talk more about your art and the things that you've no, done. the rest of what happens at con stays at con. Well, that's fair enough. We'll accept that as, yeah. as an answer for now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't mean like anything super crazy, but like anything else that you... Uh, this is that, my you know. life, and what happens at con stays at con, because okay. it <laughs> gets that crazy. Okay, well, fine. I, that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> I was just... who just wanted to close up the con talk, and specifically uh, because... Uh, I don't have that many people, like, you know, I guess I could, if I were a little bit more outgoing and if I trusted the internet more and wanted to jump on, on boards more, I don't have a lot of people to talk about the following with. Don't trust the internet. I don't trust the internet. That's like I was saying, I don't go on the internet, except I'm putting this out on the internet. Oh, what an right? interesting conversation that is. Right? No, oh I don't. I know. Isn't it weird? It's amazing. <laughs> Someone who hates doing things as simple as like texting all the time or being on any kind of social media. Right. You're like, but I've got this podcast of hours of me talking. And what is that all totally about? Go <laughs> and I can't believe that I put it out there. Like, we're going to put it out there for people to, I'm you know. I'm glad you finally know. did, though. I would like you, uh, you know, because I can't get Justin on here. Um, uh He has reasons. He has legitimate reasons um, because of his profession and his field that he, you know. I, hey, you know, he'll listen to this, and I'll say, hey, dude, in your face, right uh, there. Check it out. Laura did it. You Laura did it. it. Get out there. Come, come on. on. You can come on here with me. But I, I do want to – there you go. We can talk about the science of dealing with people. That's a – That is a good conversation. Whole other conversation. <laughs> but I do want to, like, I, I I need more often or maybe to put, like, in the, the credits, I need to give a shout-out to him because he's kind of my producer. I mean, you were talking – you referenced uh, Kev Smith earlier. Yeah. And like his Mosier, Justin's kind of like my Mosier. Like I can see that. none of this happens without Justin. He's he's been kind of there to push me and and encourage me, even though he doesn't want to actually participate. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, doesn't kind of seems. But anyway, that's why I like stage managing. I'm not <laughs> I'm not out there, but I will make things work. You bring it together. I do. Okay, that's get the gears working together. That's and why I changed my direction of school again. Okay. You want to talk about that? Talk about that. Okay. Well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I, I wanted we to talk about. Oh, okay. Even, so where I was we going with that? We've gotten past the first round of college. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, we haven't. Uh, do we want? Do we want to go back there? Let's um, like make it more right, so biographical. The, so we. So I guess so. After the flower shop, that's okay. Post college, uh, so there was the flower shop, and then I got bored because I wasn't being mentally stimulated, and 
I need that because I've always done art and science together. I can't not do art and science. That's awesome. This weird dysfunctional thing I have. So then I decided that over a weekend I was going to study for my PTCB, my pharmacy technician's certification. Uh-huh. So I studied for a weekend and then took the test. But I've grown up in a pharmacy family, so it's not hard. I mean, people pay thousands of dollars to go to technician schools to learn how to be a good tech. And I was like, I've got this book. I can learn it. Whatever. It's just law and science and Yeah, but not anatomy everybody and, can do that. Anatomy That's, and physiology. You're brushing and, it off, but some of that doesn't come naturally to us. It doesn't come naturally to me either. But like, you've just been exposed to it and been around it so much? Yeah. I think that's a lot of what it was is um, especially like not necessarily just medication management but like patient adherence and like patient safety because in in my family of people in medicine it's patient safety comes first and that's kind of the end all be all and so that has always been drilled into me and so you learn everything you can to be the best at what you can do no matter what it is and that's been a long-standing and terrible tradition in my family. I say terrible just because you get anxiety over getting less than A's. <laughs> that kind of pressure. So I still push myself that way all the time. And you get slightly neurotic because of it. But it's worth it. I was going to say, well, in this instance, totally you know what? I, we, uh, we thank you. <laughs> the, the, the populace out there thanks you for being neurotic when it comes to their health and safety. Well, yeah. <laughs> works out for that yeah not necessarily everything else but so I studied over a weekend took the test passed and then I applied everywhere I could uh-huh. and I ended up working for the VA um, for their mail order pharmacy and I got hired but as someone so the lowest tier that you could go in as is someone who just packs the medication you don't do anything else and it was because I had no experience, hadn't worked in a pharmacy, hadn't volunteered in a pharmacy. So all of that not going to tech school kind of bit me in the ass there. Mm. But I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to stay with it because eventually maybe I'll get a raise, which is not how the VA works. <laughs> I mean, you get slight raises in step, but you don't shift jobs. Like you have to apply to shift jobs. And they would have stuff open and I would apply and it's not a great place for heavy turnaround because once you're in the VA, people stay in the VA. So it was a struggle. And I did that for four and a half years before there was finally a chance for me to apply up. Four years before you could change your, yeah, your position, could like actually even move. be a technician at the okay. facility. So no lateral movement, no vertical movement. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's patience. Well, and in that time, I was like, well, if I'm not going to get experience here because you won't let me, I'm going to go somewhere else. So I volunteered at uh, the U of A at the medical center there back when it was UMC before Banner bought everything uh-huh. under the sun. And so I worked there for a year, four hours a week, every Friday night. I was down there compounding drugs because they wouldn't let me work as a tech at the VA but they sure as shit would let me work as a tech at the U of A. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you have a license? Here, go make drugs. Do this. Go compound. 
go do oral medications for everybody, go run stats up to the floor, go deal with the nurses, go do inventories on all of our like our cold medications because we have all this stuff. So I would do everything except deal with controlled scripts and IVs. Everything. Oh. And they're like, well, whatever, you're fine. So I did that for a year. And so finally when a job came up, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to apply for that at the VA. I'm just going to apply. And it was for a lead pharmacy technician job. And they're like, well, what experience do you have? Because everyone else who was applying with me for the job was three or four pay grades higher and had been at the VA for a very long time. And I ended up getting the job because of my volunteer experience. Way to go. And I almost didn't get the job because I knew too much about computers. Okay, now you got to explain that. How do you not get a job because you know too much about computers? So, the computer system... She can hack us. No, it, it's more of a... The computer systems over there are very finicky, and I won't go into detail because I cannot go into detail. But I know enough to not want to mess with them. Sure. It's not my job. It's not what I want to do. Like, the IT department has that under wraps, and they are very precise with their equipment. But it is a interesting system I'll leave it at that <laughs> but I know enough not to want to do anything with it okay but they were afraid that because I knew basic coding and because I knew how to run a whole bunch of different programs and like how to build stuff and make stuff that they were like oh you might know too much you might overstep your bounds I'm like no I know enough to be terrified of our system and I never want to touch it yeah and they're like well okay so I moved up three, no, four pay grades. Woo! And everyone hated me. So for the year and a half that I was like learning the ropes and doing my job, everyone under the sun tried to get me in trouble for every little thing and everyone hated me and they're like, you have to be ready for that because people have applied for lead pharmacy tech jobs over there for years and have tried over and over to get the job and they have been turned down because they don't have whatever they're looking for that year and so I was the only person who's been there I think to jump for pay grades and they were everyone else who was working there was not happy but I didn't care because it was my job okay so I can be accommodating <laughs> so now <laughs> what's, what's the steps where are we going after that <laughs> oh, sorry. That look is priceless. This, this look of amusement that you have at me being ridiculous. Um, so then I got bored again. Amusement is such a, I don't know. That's just, it's, it's almost condescending. Okay, so, it's All right. So how does it make you feel? <laughs> how does it make you feel? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. How does it make you feel? Yeah. How does it make you feel? How does that, how does that make you feel? You oh. have all these people who are, are, are fighting you on your promotion and they're, well, they're not fighting me. There's nothing they can do about it's it. It's too late. So they're they're just making your life difficult. Yeah. They're making your job difficult. Mm -hmm. How long do you put up with that? Forever. Okay. Because it's my job at that point to put up with it and be incredibly polite and very. Oh, use 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 the polite upbeat. voice. Oh God. Oh my God. Oh, it's a terrible voice. Use the polite voice. Come on, let's hear it. <laughs> Okay, so most of the time, like, you're on the radio all day because this place is incredibly just a giant warehouse of drugs 
millions and millions of drugs. And so half the time people call you because they get locked out because they do shit they're not supposed to or they don't pay attention, which is most of the day. And they're like, okay, I'll be right there. How can I help you? It's ridiculous. Are you are you exaggerating the no. voice a little bit right there, or is that really Some, how it goes? So I have realized the more annoyed I am, the more chipper I am because it pisses people off. You should do voices. That should that's oh, that was so no. chipper. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. It's like, hi. Okay, what can I do for you? What would you like help with now? Have you totally forgotten how to do your job? I think so. <laughs> or they're like, oh, I got locked out. I'm like, yeah. You should really pay attention to the screen. But I can't say shit like that because yeah. then I get in trouble. So I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. Okay, well, I'll unlock you and you can keep working. Let me help you out. Yeah. Okay. I'm the best person ever. No, no. I just hate most people who I work with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then what's the next step? We were kind of going like... And, and we were, we were, we were I going... I only move in weird diagonal directions in my conversations. That's fine. As well, you know. I, well, um, so I got bored, and I—that's the biggest problem. I get, I get bored. I get comfortable, and I get bored. So then I have to change direction. So I was like, "Well, I'm going to go to pharmacy school, because that's going to be what I do. I'm just going to move up, make the big bucks. I'm going to go to pharmacy school." So I went back and started taking all of my prereqs for part for pharmacy, and I had about a year and a half of pharmacy prereqs left, and I said. Uh, do I really want to do this? And the answer was kind of yes and kind of no. Because in the fall of 2016. Okay. I know, very recent. Not, yeah, recent. Hey, that's <laughs> very great. Very recent. I ended up working on some projects um, at work, and I really enjoyed it because it reminded me very much of stage managing, where I got to design stuff and create things from the ground up to help things work better and to work on projects and I was given the leeway to create a way and they just said we want these things done and I got to create how those things got done and then like create the policies and procedures for it and get to do a whole bunch of what a change it makes to be challenged and to be like contributing in a creative way right I need to be challenged sure constantly it's no fun if I'm not <laughs> um and, and so I had that freedom to be able to do that. And then I would just report to my supervisor and the director, and that was it. And that's all I had to worry about. And most of the time, that's, those are the only people I have to report to anyway. Um, but it was nice to be picked out for this project and, like, have to do these things. And so I got really good at writing policies and procedures, and now I kind of correct policies and procedures as I go. So when you say got got really good at writing it, so do you have, like um – so we're talking about kind of formal writing? Just it is incredibly formal, precise, detailed writing that you have to be able to hand someone this packet of paper and they have to be able to do the job exactly the way you do it. Okay. Just by reading it. So that's how detailed So like instruction manual kind of yeah, like level. very much. But not in Korean or something. <laughs> if I knew Korean. Oh, I'm just saying. Or if we were allowed to, that could be interesting. But no. Okay. Um, but yeah, so being able to do that and then being able to develop things with like working in a committee was really nice to get to do, and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what, I. What do you like about working in a committee? I enjoy it because it's more challenging. I, I okay, like there's the, the challenging yeah, again thing. Like so the, it's not the collaborative effort. It's the. It's, it's both. Is it the more like the 
that butting heads no, kind of thing? It's, it's, I really like it. Like I like doing um, different team projects there because everyone comes at it from a completely different standpoint because you usually get a bunch of people who all do totally different jobs. Mm. And so everyone's focus usually revolves around like their people or their jobs or their department. And so being able to put all of those together and see like, okay, well, you need these people to do this and this people, these people over here to do this, but what do you guys think about what's going on over here? Yeah. And that's really fun to work with. It's stimulating to work in a group and have these different viewpoints yeah. and these different thought processes and you have like these different minds exactly. and you're exposed to that. And that's one of my absolute favorite things in the world in any endeavor. And that's that's why I like doing collaborative art pieces because you Ooh. have so many different viewpoints. And that's kind of what I miss about art school is like having so many people close by who are just like, oh, I'm working on this thing. I know you have this project too. What if we just did this project together but from two completely different viewpoints and then do that? I'm going to need idea. further explanation on that. So, so we're <laughs> so, working on what project with so, two different viewpoints? Okay, so like... At least for college, it was like, okay, you'd have a, the class would have this assignment. And I got lucky enough that for the last two years of school, um, a couple of my friends and I shared a dark room. So we had our own private dark room that we yeah, rented. Yeah, dark room. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> so we had a private dark room that we worked in, and we were the only people who had the key and the combination for the key for that room. And so there was three of us. And we would be there forever and so we kept a bottle of wine a bottle opener um a sleeping bag an ashtray two packs of cigarettes and an alarm clock down there because you basic survival kit yeah for college yeah <laughs> that's a survival kit and so you know we we would just whoever was printing that night would be printing but Whenever they were like in between stuff or developing stuff, like you could have a whole bunch of people fit in. So we learned we could fit like five people in their tops, three people comfortably, because it's a very, very narrow room. Yeah. Um, and so like someone would be working on the project and we'd just sit around and talk about what projects we wanted to work on, who we wanted to work with, what ideas we had in development. So sometimes you'd be in the same class at the same time and you'd have like one assignment that you had to do. And so I, I don't remember what the assignment was, but I know that um, my friend Joe and I wanted to work on different viewpoints of um, dominant and submissive relationships. And so we both wanted to do kind of a period piece. So we ended up doing this, uh, I was living in this 1950s house. We're like, perfect, we'll just use my house. like we'll get dressed up. So we did a series of 15 photos of different um, dominant submissive relationships. Um, not like BDSM, but more power play. Did you base this in the 1950s because of the, the house? Because of the styling? I mean, because like we then enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, it, it, worked, it worked more towards the goal um, because it was kind of a reflection of more of the the style the style of the time twas the style of the time well if you think but of that it, times no, it definitely and that's, it and that's what we're looking at was the, was the male and female roles sure in society at that given time in a majority of the society outlook sure. um and then twisting it a little bit or playing with it to, to a, kind of a bit but what sink. we ended up doing was we ended up using the same 
photos and so we we narrowed it down to the 15 best photos from that shoot because for some reason it had to be 15 friends long but then the way that we printed them and the way that we presented them were completely different viewpoints so my viewpoint was from the role of the submissives of it being like this amazing thing of I am giving you this power and so it was upbeat it was energetic it was kind of a happier way to present them and his was, was kind of this like more straightforward way but it was very like serious and like well organized and so when people looked at them like they weren't sure how to react to them and so I made someone cry <laughs> um, because they're like I don't I just can't look at these like I oh god I can't remember her name but she's like I just I can't I can't look at these I just there's nothing positive about these images I just don't I can't look at a woman being submissive like this and I was like but what do you feel when you look at it? And she's like, I'm just confused. I'm like, so why are you confused? And she goes, Let's talk about because, it. Because, like, she looks like she's enjoying it, and that's just not how, how it is. I'm like, but if she's enjoying it, what's wrong with it? And she's like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't like how I feel when I look at these. I'm like, so you don't like feeling like she's enjoying this. But that is you putting a constraint on how someone else is feeling. You're upset about this, which is well within your right. And I'm glad I could get a reaction from you because that's what art is for, is to create a memory or an emotion in the viewer. But it was just so interesting to watch people's reactions. And so then I started, at least for my senior year, I started concentrating a lot more in like different aspects of BDSM relationships or power plays to examine different ways that people would react to the emotional value of relationships and bringing the positivity that there is in dominant and submissive relationships. Because, like, for me, I find There's a conversation to be had there. it's, It's not just a conversation. It's like trying to educate through art about the fact that just because you have this view of it, if you haven't experienced it firsthand, you don't know and you don't understand. So looking at it from a perspective of you're an outsider looking at it. So finding things either through textures or tones or sizes of even the images themselves, you would find different things. So like one of my senior theses was, I had two senior theses, it was pretty great because that's what happens when you're a senior for two years when you change your major halfway through. Um, so one of them was a, I did five by seven transparency film prints on pine wood and they were coated in beeswax because I was presenting them in the spring. So they were being presented in May where it would be warm enough to heat up the wax so you'd get this like homey beeswax smell. And I was doing um, shibari work, Japanese rope bondage. And it was a whole bunch of different prints, all different people. And they were all like very peaceful and very warm and very welcoming. So you got that warm pine wood that came through the prints and the beeswax. And it was so small, people had to walk up to them. Yes. So instead of something that they had to stand, that they could stand back or sit back in their chairs and judge, they had to come up 
which meant that they were close enough to see the texture of the wood and smell the beeswax. And so they had the interesting notion of like this homey feeling and this safe feeling, but with images that they might not necessarily see as safe or as homey or welcoming. And so I had to, I got the opportunity to create this feeling of warmth and of comfort and trust that you feel. Do you think that opened their, their minds up a little bit to be more accepting of the images that were portrayed? Once you got them in close, a lot of them did. once a you're lot able to bring like, them in. Yeah, a lot of them were like, you know, I, I am not sure how I feel because on one hand I feel really warm and really welcoming, but mentally I'm not sure how I'm supposed to react to these. And it's like, yeah, that, that's fine. Like, you don't need to know how to react to something. It's something that you may not have come across, that it's new to you. And all you can do is process it, but it gave them a new way to process it. And because people recognize things with more than one sense at a time, because I could, all the prints were in black and white, so the only color was the pine, uh -huh. was that warm golden color. So because they were looking at something visual, but also having a scent attached to it, the scent memory triggers something deeper in your brain and allows it to filter through without having to just be like a visual assault because I'm tricksy. <laughs> I wish that we had like some of these for reference and uh, down, do you? Some of uh, them I've given away as gifts. If ever you get an opportunity um, and you feel like sharing, I'd love to see some of that stuff. Oh yeah. Because I've, I've seen uh, sadly little of, of your work, just <laughs> like the little bits that you've been, you know, kind enough to share with me, but that'd be, Fantastic, and eventually the the dream is to have uh, the media expand on these because mm -hmm. there's been like for example we're gonna have to put up pictures of the table when Charlie's done with oh, it. God, yes. I'd love to feature pictures of what you're talking about, like to share on there. I'll so that see if I can find out them. I know some of them are at people's houses in Phoenix. Some of them are around the country. Well, whatever they might possibly be. I, I just think they'd be they'd be a fantastic addendum to all of this. Like, I, I like I like working with weird pieces. Like I did a once again, 1950s murder mystery that I shot downtown, but I put them on roofing tins uh -huh. because I'm remembering like my nannies told me like she grew up in houses down in um, Bisbee that had it was a tin town like all the tin, all the roofs were made of tin at that point. I was like, oh, this would be fun because it's kind of like it's dark and grainy. So I did a murder mystery on tin prints. You did a murder mystery. What What do you mean by you did a murder mystery? Like just I did sequence a, yeah, of I did a photo, images. I did a photographic story. Oh, okay. Of a murder mystery, and it was awesome. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing a comic? No. Have you wanted to write a story no, like that? Why I am not? Not a writer. <laughs> but you, visual, like, no. would you be opposed to putting visuals to someone else's words? Yes. You would be opposed to that. Well, okay. So I like. I like doing it in short term. I I can't see that I would ever be good at doing that, though. Okay, like, well, that's a different story. Your your lack of like faith in your skills <laughs> is not what I'm asking. I'm asking like, should the opportunity present itself? Like, you know, what 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 other kind of like is it just you want to do pieces, or would you do like illustrations for a novel no, or a novella? No, I can't draw. Oh, well, save my goddamn life! I cannot draw. Okay. At all. Like, I mean, I guess there's nothing more that I have no follow-up question I to that. I cannot draw. <laughs> like, this is why. I, so I I got into photography because 
I had started drawing when I was younger, and I really liked what I drew. And then I had several teachers tell me I could not draw, and I just gave up. <sighs> and then it got to the point where when I tried to go back to it, I would get frustrated with myself because when I tried to be a realistic, it wasn't realistic enough. Okay. So I just said, fuck it, I'm I doing photography. Do like, I need... I need it to be this precise way. So it could still be photography. I'm not saying that I have an idea that I'm proposing an idea or something. I know, I'm just I, know. I just love that again comes it comes back to the idea of like collaboration yeah. and, and how to expand different arts. That's really interesting. And I, I have done pieces based on stories. Uh-huh. But it's it's an oddly particular way to do it that takes a whole lot of people to put together. Sure. And it's hard to find enough artists who have time and aren't flakes. <laughs> we are not always the most reliable. Artists? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for you, what's... I mean, this might s sound silly because most people who are artists, the the answer is is pretty direct. But for you, what's what's the end game when it comes to art what comes to your art what why do you do it what's because i have to okay <laughs> there's something that requires me to make things to create yeah either a broken piece or a need to constantly do something i have to create if i'm not creating i am unhappy are you looking for answers in the creation or are you just looking for uh, explanations or what do, do you have anything that m motivates that I the reason I ask is because I have an answer of my own well, I hear yours. for that no I want to ask I asked you first yourself. that's part of the fun of doing this no. <laughs> we're we seriously gonna get a group of us here and we are just going to grill you I would I would I would invite that because I do still feel like I have things that I want to share it was kind of part of this as well but Good. like right now I have you here and I want and, and I'm not that I want to answer the question right now but I so, could always be here. <laughs> it's it's good. It is it good. Is good. Uh, so what was my question? Stuff <laughs> and things. Uh, is there something I'm trying to express? Yeah, what is what is it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're all, all, as artists, we're trying to express something. So for you, um, is, it, is it an answer? Do you want me to get, I'll give you my answer. How about that? Okay. I mean, and, I have one. Okay. Oh, really? No, go, no, go, this go, is going to make you talk no, no, first. No, 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 too late. Go. What's your answer? Um, so you I, have to do it, but why? Because I'm broken inside. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, the fact that I'm bipolar. So there is part of me that is broken, and it's never going to get fixed. It can be managed, but you can't fix it. And for me, like, I have often gotten lost in emotions so part of me just has to get it out in some way or another whether it's doing insane mud runs and so forcing myself to train because I hate running and so I run I hate running because I spill my coffee <sighs> you know one of those like coffee hats you just do iced coffee yeah get a water pack and just fill it with iced coffee it's a good plan um, so like I, I run because I hate running and I run because it's a physical way to get away from stress um, and yay endorphins and building neural correct like connections but you know science um, but I 
I have to make things to get it out. And it's this insane, like, demon inside of me that requires me to make things, whether it's to express emotion or just because I have to get something out. And I'm never sure what it is until I finish. So, like, I've made this painting for you. And eventually I'll remember to bring it. (laughs) But it was just this overwhelming need that I had to paint. And for me, it gets worse when it's raining. There is something for me that's tied to rain, and especially monsoons in Tucson, where I have to make things. And I have to create. And my emotions get incredibly overwhelming during that time of year um but that's a weird psycho mystical thing that I'll tell you about in a second um but I I have to get things out and if I don't get things out then it I focus on them and then I can't do anything else so for me it's more of like exercising demons um but that gives me a weird range of art because sometimes I'll start something and I'll think I'll have finished and then I'll leave it alone. And then years later, I'm like, it's not done. And then I have to go back and work on it more and then I leave it alone. So if I can't like sell it or give it away, then I end up making more things. And that's my explanation. <laughs> so it's a beautiful, yours? And then that's a beautiful and then explanation. I'll, I'll I can't tell you about my weird metaphysical craziness after this. I can't follow that. Yeah, you can. The With only words. thing that I can say to that, what's that? Okay, why do you With make words? music? Very similar reasons. And in this strange way, it's it's incredibly comforting to hear those things echoed in other people that you have to because you have to. Mm-hmm. The the answer, the end result, the end game, the the destination is not what it's about. It's just it, it has to be done and I'm going to continue to do it because it's there and because it's inside and it helps like some of the things you were talking about there resonate with me when it comes to uh, poetry and lyrics and songs that I've gone back to years later and been like mm, I'm going to toy with this still there's still something more to be said here or this just want to change this movement and, and put it here it just, and you just keep creating um, paintings are never done, just abandoned, something like that. To that extent, have you heard, you know, oh, you have a thought on that. I love it. This is so fantastic for <laughs> I me. I have so many thoughts. Also, did I tell you I made the Dead Poets Society at my high school? <laughs> oh, In the have, attic of have, my have, high uh, school? Um, we, <laughs> and I guess that goes to show, like, uh, how old I am and our age difference maybe possibly. <laughs> like, we had a Dead Poets Society in 7th uh, and 8th grade. So maybe no. you were in high school at the time. No, no, no. Okay. I, I made no, it that's, it no, because you're younger than me. So this doesn't make sense. Oh, no. No. Yes, you are. As a matter of fact, you are. Am I? For sure. I <laughs> guarantee. Um, I know I have this youthful exuberance about me, but I'm very old. And uh, no, and I still have like the book of poems that we all signed our names in the back. You know, as we made our own little dead poet society. Oh. And yeah, we, we, uh, we, find, we found a way to sneak up to the attic of our school so we had it in this crazy wood floor attic with all of these old abandoned desks that Mm -hmm. were up there 
super old wood desks that had permanent like desk attachments to mm-hmm. them. And we'd go up there and like we just had candlelight and flashlights and we probably shouldn't have had the candles because everything was flammable. But we didn't give a shit because it was the ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. You know, that's really incredible. And, and I just have to like bounce out of the beauty for a second to say like there are people who are who will criticize that film and they will talk about. Oh, God. But you know what? There, there, it, there are some truths there. That need to be embraced, and and sometimes people just skip it, skip over it, and say, "Oh, well, it's a little melodramatic." I don't care. No, I, I mean, don't care. It's high school. Like high school is melodramatic. You know what? I don't and like how people. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, going to private school, like a lot of those things are so reflective. Like really, never fitting in, not knowing where you belong. Like oddly enough, so I was part of the drama group since like sophomore year maybe freshman year I don't year. find that odd at all okay so this gets weirder <laughs> so not only that but for the last two or three years of high school I was the I was an officer of our theater group and I did photo and somehow almost everybody knew my name I did not know any of these people except the people I had class with and even then I didn't know some of their names mm-hmm. Because I was, once again, not comfortable talking to anybody. And I went to a private school. I came from a upper middle class family. Everyone else was very upper class. And so I did not fit in at all. And there was very few of us who didn't have the money to fit in. So I had almost nothing in common with a lot of people there. And even within, like, the theater and the photo groups, like, there are very few people that I hung out with. And, like, some of them are great. Like, the photo people, I think, were probably the most down-to-earth people. Because a lot of us who had some money-ish put it towards art supplies. And we'd hang out and listen to, like, we'd listen to punk and blast (laughs) it in the dark room and, like, be ridiculous and dance around. It was amazing. And it's kind of made me sad as I've gotten older because from our photo group, so far three people have died in the last, like, five years. And they were all younger than me. So that's hard. (laughs) And it's been nice to see everybody but not great under the circumstances anyway i digress <laughs> sorry totally brought that down there <laughs> that just reminded me because some of those people were also in our poetry society there's no reason to be sorry that's the forum it is it's like the weirdest therapy session i've ever had <laughs> We are all over the place. Well, I'm not actually to like. Fair, my life is all over the I place. I can't direct it. Really, I'm not. I'm not really great at that yet. That's what we're learning. No, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't need to be directed. We eventually all come around. Cause it's all circular. Anyway, so I was gonna go to school for a pharmacy, and I decided I wasn't anymore. That's where we were at. Was that where we were at? We okay. Were. Well, then I'm gonna have to ask you for a pause right here. Do you have? Do we have time for a pause? We have time for a station break, station identification. You should have sponsors right here. I totally wish. I've had to listen to myself talk when we used to have to do radio spots for theater. Oh, see, We'd that's great. Oh, what a rich life you've led. <laughs> and so, oh, my God. It's been an insane life. 
But isn't it isn't it great? You know what? I just continually I, I couldn't have a normal life. I, well, see, normal. See, that opens up a whole can of <laughs> that opens up a whole can of worms and discussion. <laughs> like, what's normal? Uh, but you know what? I really love, and me. I don't know what is what is with like we have this strange, or at least I am blessed in my life that I have been lucky enough to encounter and retain. Uh, friends that somehow end up having these uh, threads like veins of continuity and and like I just feel like how is it that in 2001 I happened to come across you and all these things make us compatible as people to talk and chat and and kind of expound on, on all the things that we've experienced. What, like, that's pretty lucky. Like, and I've just been really lucky like that. Or maybe it's because you choose to keep those people around you. You know, I, I guess that's, it's a combination. Yeah. I but how do you discern question. it early on like that? I don't think we do. Is it like some kind of undercurrent that we recognize in other people? Like, okay. Like, I don't, like you said five seconds ago that wasn't recorded. <laughs> you haven't said anything tonight that I didn't already know. But how is it some of those things I didn't know oh. previously until <laughs> not, not tonight. No, I mean like I'm, over, I'm frankly surprised because I. So years of therapy have taught me to not keep secrets. And it's not just because secrets don't make friends. It's because if like I used to have a problem with lying to people. I know. Really weird, right? So like I would lie to people like out of like secondhand nature it was a terrible habit and so I learned to just stop and like say the things that were true so now the problem is I don't have a good stop no filter no <laughs> real filter so sometimes I sound like a dumbass because I'm much like the words <laughs> and I'm like oh I should have probably not said that because I'm retarded oh I would like but, to know the scenario like I oh, don't see the no, scenario Okay. <laughs> I'd say I'm I have to really separate professional and personal, especially working for the government. Like there's there is a very distinct bubble. Am like, I gonna need to be careful about posting this online? Am I gonna are, no. the, are the black helicopters coming? No. <laughs> I've been fairly careful with what I've said regarding work. Okay. Like it's that's fine. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's it's, it's one of those things where like I honestly assume most people know things because I don't shut up sometimes. <laughs> don't touch that. Don't touch it. Oh, the times I've heard that. Really? <laughs> I don't hear that. I hear okay, more like that. <laughs> now can you angle your hand this way and a little more tongue? <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. See that whole so, non-filter thing? No, that's no, right hey, there. The, hey, the non-filter hey, you thing know what filter is I've got? I've got the filter on this, this mic. Is, that's about it. That's about it. The pop filter. Pop the filter. End. Yes. So, all right. Where do you want to? Let's pick up with the, with the biography. Wherever so now, you want. No, that's where I want. My I want life to open. has a crazy winding road. Uh, well, hey, that's that's the best kind. Yeah. You don't want to be bored, like you said. Bored is a bad path. Bored is the uh, idle hands of the devil's workshop, you know. Oh, and my my hands when they're idle 
terrible. They gave it so much trouble. <laughs> they do. I heard that idle hands are the devil's workshop, workshop, so I took up counterfeiting. As well you should. No, no, it's a profitable career. It is. Oh. <laughs> oh. Terrible Is that puns. where we're going? It's getting ugly. Okay, so now we are to the point where we're going back to school or, you know, this was the fall of 2006 where we left off, I think, no, no, no. and we can spin off where uh, are we? It was fall 2016 where I changed. 2016, that's what I meant to say. Where I decided to change from pharmacy. So I was doing my pre-pharmacy stuff, and then I decided that I was better at working on projects. Uh-huh. And so I started looking at jobs within the VA because I, I really like the VA. Um of what I could do that involved projects and fixing things because really that's what I do best is I fix things in a really weird way but that it's the stage manager part of me that I like to be analytical in ways but also be able to think outside the box and make things work and I'm really good at making Solve problems things work. yeah that's it's really my forte. If I could just have a resume that just said solves problems, that <laughs> would be mine. What does she do? Solves problems. Yeah. But because I have the weird artistic science like background, I end up working really well with problem solving, especially in medicine. And so I decided I want to try and be a program analyst. Yeah. Weird, right? So I would just scroll through data and figure out what works best and what doesn't and then figure out ways to make it work better and essentially just stage manage my way through the VA. <laughs> but one of the things I needed to do was most of the jobs for that position start at a level that requires a master's degree. And even though I could go for pharmacy and work as like a QA pharmacist and do some of the same things, the I love pharmacy and I don't want to leave pharmacy but I really want to focus on making things work better and that's not what pharmacy school focuses on so I decided I would apply to the College of Public Health and get my degree in Health Systems Administration and so I applied and they're like I decided in January that I was going to apply and they're like oh well the deadline is March and so I had to haul ass <laughs> to get my shit done by March and deal with like the financial aid office and everything else. So I started my first class in the beginning of May and all of them are accelerated courses. So they're all eight weeks long and I have two years of it. And so I'm writing four or five papers a week. So I'm just working full time. We don't envy you. And going to school full time and raising kids and training for races and on occasion making things because I can't stop and I just don't sleep. Well, that sounds like you're wrapping <laughs> things up. So <laughs> I, that's, that's just where my life is right that's now. That's just where it is. Yeah. And yeah. enjoying time with friends like this. I, it, it is. It means a lot to me that you took the time to do this, especially with such a busy schedule. Like I'm excited I'm you had time to talk because you always seem busy to me. Not like you. Not busy like you. No you one's. always make time for your friends. You are exemplary. Oh, well, I try. I'm not super great at communicating with people right now. I will be honest. Like I know. Like and I've had to send messages to people. I'm like I am sorry. I'm not here. I am. 
knee deep in studying. Yeah. Soon to be neck deep in studying. <laughs> it just keeps rising. It just keeps rising. And eventually, like, I'll just try and float on top and hope I'm not dead while I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you paint an interesting and um, somewhat morbid picture. But that's, you know, like. You know, school. <laughs> school. <laughs> Grad school. But yeah, I, I try. I, I have to keep communication with people because I have a tendency to forget that there is an outside world and that's not good for my sanity well again thanks for taking the time i i appreciate it this is my vacation time <laughs> right now this is awesome well, enjoying some makers 46 well, the, angels gone. the angels and he's gone <laughs> thanks charlie gone. we appreciated it oh my god it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait to meet you if Mitch ever introduces any of his friends to any of his other friends because he quarantines us from each other. Oh, man. I, I really, and I know, again, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to, like, in, in any way put any kind of undue pressure, but I really hope that we're able to, like, have you back. I'm not going anywhere. Well, I know, but we can't talk <laughs> all. I just, I'm saying that it'll be fantastic. It'll be great if we do because I know that you're going to be busy for the next forever. Whatever. So I'm just at a pharmacy conference right now. It's fine. <laughs> Laura, I appreciate deeply <laughs> you spending this time in the Red Room tonight. I've had an amazing time. I hope you will join us again. I will. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear it. Um, and for those out there, uh, take what you can. Take what you will. Take a little bit. Leave a little bit. Whatever you have uh, from this. Take all the things. Take all the things. Just uh, don't be stupid because <laughs> I will not be friends with you. We don't have the tolerance for that. <laughs> so um, this has been Laura and Mitch from the Red Room. Have a great night. <laughs>